Lots of fun stuff cooking it in the money media. We've got YouTube exclusive content this week, including a chance to win a free $50 bet. Find our video on YouTube previewing the three-year-old races this weekend, Holy Bull, etc. Drop a comment. Tell us who you think is going to win the Holy Bull and the Southwest. And uh, if you get it right, you will have an opportunity to win this $50 bet. Give us a reason, too. We'll pick the best one, the one we like best. We'll feature it on the next show. And yeah, we'll get you some money, too. Also, Race Lens content, Matt Fagvolgi and myself going over a pace, making the race through the lens of Race Lens. You can find that on YouTube as well. And there's still this opportunity to get a $300 discount off an annual Race Lens plan, as well as a year of In The Money Plus in the moneypodcast.com slash race lens to learn more. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Groundhog Day. February 2nd, 2024. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fortital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. Chilly Brooklyn Bunker. Man, I have been wrestling. Well, I say I have been wrestling. My my great plumber friend, Henry, has been wrestling with his boiler for days, and we just can't quite get it straightened out. And uh, yeah, I've been wearing sweaters inside and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, that's okay, because it may be cold in the Brooklyn Bunker, but uh, racing action heating up, and we've got a show for you on a coast-to-coast pick five that this was the idea of this bet, I'm going to say, when it was first dreamed up by uh, Peter Rotundo and others, both in terms of how quickly it takes place, the fact that we've got all stakes action going from coast-to-coast. This is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. We're going to have bonus coverage a little bit later in the show of Triple Crown Prep, Derby Prep action from both uh, south in the Southwest Stakes at Oakland Park and also the Withers here in New York at Aqueduct. To talk about it all with me, we bring in one of the one of the stalwarts, one of the pillars on the In the Money Media Network when it comes to analysis. You hear him on these airwaves. You read his work over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Maybe you hear him on Steve Bick's show from time to time or behind the mic at Sam Houston. He's Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's up, buddy? The most overexposed man in racing, huh? If there's all these different ways to hear me. I am uh, <laughs> overexposed as opposed to ubiquitous, but I'm doing great, Pete. It's a busy time of year, but I enjoy it, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a good good weekend of racing for sure. And you know, you mentioned the coast to coast pick five being you know stakes all stakes, and um, I mean as we go through it, we're probably going to come to the conclusion that it's it's unlikely to probably pay three digits, but that's okay because yeah. there are days where you need to be able to hit it for multiple times. There are people with smaller budgets that are going to be able to get involved in this. And I can also guarantee you that when I say things like that, bombs away. <laughs> we, we could, we, we could be reverse mushing this into one of the, one of the more chaotic after what we just, you know, after, and I agree with that sentiment, well, it could be a carryover uh, for all that. No, I don't think so. It looks, it looks formful. I felt like there was a place or two to get cute why don't we just dive into it right away? And the sequence starts off at Gulfstream Park with their 10th race on Saturday. Three-year-old fillies in the forward gal, grade three action, going seven furlongs on the dirt. Nick, this was one where I felt like you, you have favorites you have to contend to, but I thought there was maybe a little bit of an interesting horse. How do you see it? Do you see this as one of many legs in this pick five that uh, could possibly chalk out? 
I don't want to just give give up that easy, right? This feels like one of the legs where you're supposed to put up a little bit of a fight with the favorites um, because I don't totally trust Scalable. I, I don't know about you, but I don't really believe in Scalable at seven eighths. I think she's geared from what we've seen more towards a, a distance race. I think she was as involved early as she was last time out because the pace was a little bit slow. And I also wonder how much she may have been helped by Lasix last time. Now, of course, she has to come off Lasix and that was a four horse race. There was one other horse in it that looked marginally competent on paper, uh, Curlin's girl, and she didn't really run at all. She dropped 20 buyer points and in finishing a, a well-beaten third. So, yeah, I mean, I think for my purposes, I'm going to start the sequence with the four and five. And I think our Harper Rose has a has a huge pace advantage in this field. And I don't really mind that that she obviously gave it up late last time out. I think she's much more geared towards a one-turn trip. She wants to try and blast them early. And and I'm a little, I guess I'm, I sort of have a soft spot for Nikita, so I probably need to, to just give up. But um, I think she still might have some upside. Look, she needs to run a lot better. Um, she needs to run a lot faster. But these are situations where, you know, you kind of have the old my have they grown angle and horses improve a lot from two to three. So I'm going to take what might be a projection type play and use her as opposed to uh, just sort of conceding this race to scalable who, you know, I don't think is any great shakes in here at, at sub two to one. You and I are uh, reading from the same hymn book as uh, as is often the case on these shows, but I like Nikitas. I actually picked on top, and the angle is similar to what you said in terms of you know when to when to slower horses, um, you know, beat quote unquote faster horses. Well, one of the things one of the things that makes that happen is pace scenarios, but another one that can make it happen is just uh, their own condition and one of the great condition angles in racing is the jump from two to three and 64 days off. But I guess the deciding factor for me and Nikita's is this is a horse that's run pretty well while not looking terribly professional, sort of climbing in races. I thought the last day in particular did very well to get up from out of position. I think there could be a big forward move here. And while the pace doesn't necessarily look like it's going to suit looking at the pace figures she's been running, I think this morning line guess is probably pretty good at about five to one. That's very appealing to me. I'm willing to take on scalable just like you. Can't fade our Harper Rose, though, who just looks like the clear best speed for both of us. It sounds like uh, five for me, five, four for you, four, five to the hoop. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's the direction I'm going to go. I, I do wonder, as you mentioned, if Nikitas will get bet down a little bit off of this. She's a, a filly who was very popular at Saratoga last year, debuting on turf. And it had a lot to do with the way she was training on dirt, because obviously Chad Brown trains all of his horses on dirt. You know what I wondered a little bit, Pete, is maybe maybe she's a filly that needs to get outside mm-hmm. um, because she's climbed badly. You mentioned it. You alluded to it just now. Maybe it's a maturity thing. Maybe it's a kickback thing. But what I can almost guarantee everybody is that Irad is going to get her into a comfortable spot. That's his, that's his forte. That's what he's, uh, that's what he's very good at. In fact, he did it with forte. Um, so he's, you know, pun intended dad jokes, but, um, yeah, so he's, you know, that's where he's at his absolute best. So, um, I, I wonder if she's going to get that down off this morning line. I don't think that you and I are some kind of great pair of innovators in terms of finding a case. And, you know, there are going to be the people that are anti R Harper Rose because she's a Florida bred and she's run against restricted company in her last two. And there are people that are going to be critical of scalable because she's not really that much faster than Nikitas. And so I think they might end up on her. Um, these are some pretty powerful, potent connections as well. And the, the public usually latches onto that too. But either way, I'm, I'm taking her. Uh, yeah, four or five for me. 
we'll see how it goes. You might be right. It more might be more like seven to two than five to one. But even at that, I think that's an appealing um, alternative in a race where, for various reasons, our Harper Rose and scalable questions aside, have to get bet to some degree. I mean, I think we'll be looking at the third choice here. We go out for the second leg to Santa Anita. Race number four, the grade three megahertz. Phillies and mares four and up going a mile on the turf. And this one, I want to point out, you're going to have an opportunity before you put your pick fives in, the way these races are timed. Race three at Santa Anita will be over. Um, you'll get uh, you'll get an ability to, to, to look at the early betting to see the double will pays. I'm just really curious how the betting goes on a runner like Bella Bell. This is a horse, for me, the market signal means so much because I feel like if she's ready to return 476 days later, I think she's got this race in a, in a fantastic, has a fantastic chance to win this race. If she's coming back and, and the market signal indicates that she's a little bit short, then all of a sudden I don't want to get too, too aggressive with Bella Bell. But I mean, pace scenario wise, connections wise, this doesn't feel like uh yeah, D'Amato not one who typically brings them back short, needing a race. If all systems go. I feel like Bella Bell is the one that I want in here. Just, you know, from the time on the track, sharp, consistent, great connections. Looks like the best speed signed on as well. I will not be uh, too clever in trying to beat the likes of the likely favorite closing remarks. Either in this spot, looks like the best closer, has the best numbers overall. I have nothing particularly clever to say about closing remarks, but especially in a race where there does appear to be a dearth of early speed, she's going to be in touch and have a chance to finish past them all. So assuming the market signal is strong or at least not weak on Bella Bell, I'm going to play this one 4-7 and, uh, and, and try to get through it. How do you see the megahertz? Yeah, very similarly. Um, in fact, I, I think, you know, Bella Bell... Uh, D'Amato has been good off these layoffs, right? Yep. So it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the slightest bit surprising if she's ready. And, uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, brass tacks, like this is not a very good field. This yeah. is not a particularly tough bunch. Um, these are not a group of horses that you see and you say, okay, she's really going to have to have her, have her running shoes on to beat these. I guess the, the linchpin in the race in a way is if Kazushi Kimura decides to ride Malfi a little bit aggressively early. Um, which I think is possible. I don't think that that would, would really shock me in any way, shape, or form. She's been a little forward in the past. She actually had quite a bit more speed on dirt, ironically, which uh, which usually it's it's kind of the other way around. Horses yeah. are a little bit more tactical on turf. But, yeah, she was a little quicker when she was on the dirt, so maybe she could get back to a race like that. You know, I would have loved an opportunity to bet a horse like Oakhurst, who I thought was not only – she was sort of double compromised last time out, slow pace and a race and a, a situation early in the meet where inside speed on the turf was just an absolute lightning lane. But a mile is going to be – she's going to have to hustle at a mile no matter what, and these horses look like they're better than her. So she she just can't – I can't get there. Um, yeah, it looks like Bella Bell to me, and, and I, I'm not – I think I'd help her with Malfi. I'm just not a closing remarks guy. I bet against her every single time. I see no point. In, in really getting on her now. There was really only one time I regretted it when she won the Gold of Kovac 5-1, to one, but I thought she just didn't make any sense in there at all. And I don't see her getting... I guess she's probably a little bit set up immune compared to everybody else in that she does have enough tactical speed to be somewhat close. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I would roll with the uh, with the one and four and just try and get through. Yeah, similar similar approaches there for sure. We'll see about Bella Bell. Oakhurst one that I wouldn't be surprised if... You know, there's going to be a spot where I want to bet on her this year for sure. 
I have a feeling next time I'm going to be sort of a, what you might call like a triple flow move up coming out of just tricky situation after, after tricky situation. And eventually she's, uh, there'll be a winning race with her name on it, but I don't think it's going to be here in the megahertz. Let's move back just because of the setups. Let's move back to Gulfstream park and race number 11, the kitten's joy, three-year-old turfers. Uh, we're going a mile on the 16th here. Got a big favorite to contend with in noted Nick, and I wasn't sure I could make a very compelling case against. Just looks like the best horse is going to get a great setup. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he joins his stablemate Agate Road, or his, his yeah, stablemate Agate Road, who um, <clears throat> was bested last time out by Tokayo in the Dania Beach. And Tokayo does come back as the speed in here and, and probably, you know, probably ends up getting a pretty soft trip on the front end again. But it just feels like the, the cavalry that's running at him late is probably going to be a little bit better simply by virtue of noted being in this race. And I suppose first world war could put a little bit of pressure on him early. There really isn't an abundance of speed again. We'll see if freedom principle is forward to be ridden out of the gate, but you know, noted is a horse that really on the turf has done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, in fact, he's really, he's only run one bad race in his whole career. And he's, as you said, I mean, he's the horse to be, he's, he's supposed to win this race. He really looked like he had no shot coming off the turn in the pulpit. And, you know, these, Pletcher horses in Florida, they just, it seems like whatever the, the amount of stretch is left, it's all they need to get there, right? Yeah. They just, they, they produce over and over. So he felt like a, a very likely winner to me. Um, I don't necessarily want to be beaten by Agate Road because I do think he was compromised by the, the race flow last time out. And I, I think I'd, I'd feel some egg on my face if, if he ends up winning but, I mean, I do think Noted is the more preferable of the two. I think he's the more likely winner. Um, Agate Road probably looks uh, – he looks very good on the thoroughgraph sheets. Um, Noted does as well. Took a step forward last time out. Likely to take another one. So, yeah, it's kind of Pletcher for me in here. I'm expecting one of those two to get it done. Takayo, you think there'll be too much pressure? I was sort of hoping uh, Gaffleone on First World War would, would put enough pressure early to uh, – make that one not be able to hang on late the same as, as last time. But would you have the, any threes on your tickets? Well, I mean, the thing is, Pete, like you and I are pace figure believers and his pace line last time is a complete joke. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's he went a 43 first yeah. pace figure. It's like they, they could have been running in reverse. Right. <laughs> so I can't bet horses back like that. And then he's gave us 13 to one, almost 14 to one last time out. I respect Steve Claseris and obviously Louis Sayas is at his best on the front end going long on any surface, but I, I can't, I can't bet a horse who ran a race like that. This is the ultimate last time was the time horse. Agreed. And you know, I'm being talked into and thinking more about agate road. I had many, many picks needing agate road last time. And I think I sort of had a knee jerk, yeah, against the flow, but probably should have done better than that. But looking closer at it and looking at these early pace figures, I just think the horse was too far back. It was just, there's nothing you could do from there with the trip that Tokayo got. I, I think I will put Agate Road in um, as, a, as a deeper type of a backup and look to press noted in race number 11 at Gulfstream. With that, let's zip back out to California for our second stake of the show and uh, our first of the, the four on the show in total three-year-old races we're going to talk about derby points on the line in the bob lewis we're going a mile on the dirt and uh, the top horse in this race the big favorite will not be competing in the kentucky derby that much we can assure you that's nisos making his return to the races is is he going to uh, make a mockery of this field nick on paper it sure looks like it right i mean it's not 
I don't see how he could lose. He was just, he was incredible in a maiden special weight race in October. And I think you and I had done a show for that. Um, and we were trying to figure out, there were three Bafferts in the last race on that Saturday. We were trying to figure out who was the, you know, who was the one. And I think this was the, the last option for us. The other, other, um, the other, other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, actually, I think, I, I think it was you and I did a show with Duke. Cause I remember Duke and I having this conversation. We were trying to figure out, you know, who it could be. And this was the, literally the other, other. And we're like, wow, there's no way, you know, he's putting Kyle Frey on the, on the nuts. Yep. And, yep. and, um, and, and here he was just absolutely buried that field, um, looked incredible coming down the stretch and, and, you know, typical of the of the type of Baffert horse we've seen have success over the years. He was a rich auction purchase uh, with a fast two year old and training workout, you know, and then he took a I would say, you know, maybe a marginal step forward in terms of speed figure. But, you know, like a year ago, we were talking about Arabian Night, like Arabian Night could be the next superstar. And Nysos' first two races are every bit as good as Arabian Night's. Yep. And Nysos happens to be in a barn where there's like three other horses who have run this well also. So it's, it's you know, it's sort of an embarrassment of riches for Baffert Stable. I mean, yeah, what are the conceivable scenarios where he gets beaten here, Pete? Is that, you know, maybe something happens pace-wise and somebody does something to just go on kind of a, a suicide mission to beat him? I just don't know who's fast enough because he's very quick to the punch and he is supposed to go straight to the front here and and never look back so i don't i don't really see him getting beaten um i think he's a stone cold single in the uh, in the picks and i have a prediction i think he's going to be one to five wow you think they're just going to completely bury him um i and- think they're going to go absolutely nuts i think the absolute most he goes off is two to five yeah, he was one to five last time, and and you know that can be that can be predicted. Four horse race, right? Sure, yeah. Right, yeah. there's more competition here, but I mean he's a double fig, which is one of the things that leads to that. That's very interesting. I'm going to take a quick look at the international betting as we chat, see if there is a if there is a market for this one. There's I see markets for Southwest and Holy Bull. Let me refresh. I have one horse that I'm going to play here. Um, just a just taking a guess. At the the unexposed Scatify, the nine runner, that figure came back okay. This horse has room to improve. Nysos will need to stub his toe, but obviously these things happen. We've seen horses lose at one to twenty before, for goodness sake. Um, and you know the form of that race is a little bit interesting. Two winners, they were the last and second to last place finisher. Granted, neither one won a mixed breed race, and the other ran like a a sub 60 speed figure but still at least it's a little bit of validation of the form i was just gonna i wanted to take one shot on one ticket to not just go with nisos and i thought scatify was as interesting as anybody else in there will you have any other numbers on your tickets it doesn't sound like it no no i don't i mean i hear you with scatify he seems like probably the other horse but um he would you know and and, and i guess the training could be could be the telltale sign is that i i've not seen any workout reports but i imagine that workout on January 26th probably turned some heads. That feels like something that could lead people his direction a little bit. But um, yeah, no, just just a nice host for me. I don't I don't really see a situation where and, and, and I'm not somebody who, you know, who scouts out big favorites. I'm not I'm not hunting for big favorites in multi-race sequences, but this horse just looks like a total layover to me. I agree. But the good thing is also when you have the when you do have sequences like this where we're mentioning one or two horses in every race. The backup situation becomes a little easier because you can end up, you know, I might have a $50 
combo, maybe more with the, the combinations with Nisos. And then I can have a $5 or, you know, hell, a $1 with a horse, you know, like Scatify and still have a chance to, you know, not be quote unquote upside down on the bet and just have a little bit of coverage. Of course, you could also use Scatify in different pools. Another great thing about these coast to coast bets, especially as we get towards the sharp end of them is there's other ways that you can leverage your opinions you know we have this interestingly this double with the two races at santa anita obviously pick threes and doubles at Gulfstream. you can really drill down into your opinion a little bit more try to find where your strongest opinion is and almost use the pick five the cross country the cross country the coast to coast pick five as more of a top-up if you're right about everything and then you can go in and look for overlays in double pools or you know sneaky horses that you want to just bet to win and you can give yourself in poker terms a lot of outs in a spot like this speaking of free squares <laughs> let's go back to Gulfstream park and the last race in this coast to coast sequence the holy bull grade three action um fierceness is obviously where we're going to begin the conversation you you volunteered for the guess your price game out in california with nisos let's play the same game nick what price is fierceness going to close at in here you know, he actually, he's actually more likely to be one to five uh, because he, he just carries so much more cachet than Nisos does, even though Nisos is obviously very popular. This horse being the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner. And I mean, we don't often see a 105. Is that a lowered buyer? I feel like it was 108. They might have taken that down a point or two. I don't I feel like I, they I did. I was thinking 106 it was at one point interesting that they do that for one point maybe you're right i i don't know where we there's no easy way to track that i don't think well, we could ask some friends but uh yeah i mean still 105 pretty sick uh, uh in in any oh in any insane case. right yeah. absolutely totally insane no you know what on on november 4th um on november 4th mike rapoli rapoli stable tweeted 105 so it's been a 105 the whole time Okay. So, um, I guess I was just thinking, yeah, I was just thinking it was higher. I, I, for some reason, I had 108 in my mind, and I think it was because I think Uncle Mo got a 108, and I think that's what I was was probably had in my head. But um, That gives us yeah, some I mean, indication of what you think about Fierceness if you're conflating those two horses. Oh, I think Fierceness is outstanding. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's very, very good. Um, you know, I, I look, I think the, the critical part of me always wants to see horses do something that really makes them come out of their comfort zone a tad. Um, I do think he did have a very soft trip in the juvenile. Most of the time when you see a hundred plus buyer speed figure, it's going to be from a quicker horse that gets probably a softer opening half mile to three quarter uh, setup. And, and that's exactly what happened. But the thing is, we've seen horses in that scenario sort of trudge home and get a 94 buyer and still win by a couple of lengths and look decent enough. But this horse just kicked away from everybody and, I think that was, and I, and I see the only mistake I could be making is I think that was an exceptional juvenile field. Like, I think that juvenile field was very, very solid. I, I don't think we got the real Prince of Monaco, but I think Muth is solid. I think Locked is solid. Um, this horse just completely obliterated a horse like General Partner, who I don't really think is bad. I don't know how good no. he is, but I think that's part of what makes me excited about Fierceness is that I think he really, I think he took uh, on a lot of, of comers and really handled them with great ease. Um, I, I think he did it really with a bit of an edge in terms of how the race unfolded, but I don't want to hold that against him. And, and I want to see, you know, how much he develops now as a three-year-old. Usually Todd Pletcher is very good in these races and he has them ready. And this is a horse who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago talking about 
the future wager in the Derby Trail, he kept him pretty active. He got him yep. back to the track about a month after the Breeders' Cup, at least to start working. Clearly, he was back on the track before that. So um, I, I think he's going to run extremely well. I think he'll be very, very hard to beat. And I actually think it's easier to make a case for some of the rivals that are running against Nisos than it is for anybody in here. I mean, it feels like maybe one of the one of the conceivable scenarios in terms of him being beaten here is that we see a big forward move from Otello, um, but that's you know that feels a little bit unlikely. And maybe Paco just steps opens the throttle on Hades out of the gate, and he's able to just sort of blast all the way around there. But I mean, pace figure wise, Fierceness is way faster than him, and there's no way he wouldn't be able to just sit off of him and kick clear when ready. I think this is a great exacta situation because I think you're absolutely right in identifying the theoretical two biggest threats to fierceness in uh, in talking about Otello and, and Hades. But I think they're both going to try to win the race and as a result, not run second and maybe not even run third. So I think it's a really interesting case to chuck the second and third choices who, are, you know, I don't mean to insult, but, you know, I think just dynamics wise, things are going to be going against them. Runner, a runner like No More Time, a runner like Sea Streak, a runner like Domestic Product. I'm going to try to fill out exactas and tries with those runners and uh, and see if we can maybe try to turn this one to five shot into something a little bit more. You mentioned the key line of form that you and me and JK have just been gravitating towards since day one at the, of the juvenile. And so far, the data has absolutely backed this up. So Muth came back and ran a 90. But remember, that was a distance short of his best. He just looked so classy and good in there. No part of me is looking at that like, oh, Muth declined. Then you've got Cuban Thunder, came back, improved the figure, 13 points. Wind Me Up, came back, improved the figure, 20 points. And Noted, came back and improved the figure, 24 points and won. So you got two next out winners, a next out second, and a whole bunch of figure improvement. This is a hell of a live race. I think that 105 is legit. And obviously, if he runs anything approximating it, he just buries his field. Um, you know, probably spent too much time talking about a one to five shot. But I do think wagering strategy wise between the free square in various picks and the exacta, this is a this is a one to five shot that I'll have a lot of money going through. Um, whether that's wise or not, you can decide, uh, audience. What about you wagering wise, Nick, with fierceness? What what pools do you see getting involved in or is it more of a of a token bet in the coast to coast and, and, and watch and, and cheer. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think there's interesting, interesting intra-race bets to be had with inveigled and, um, and no more time. As you mentioned, I'm not quite as big on, on uh, domestic product. I thought he was, I mean, maybe you could chalk it up to the wet track. I thought he was atrocious in the Remsen. Um, he was, was inside. Bad. Yeah, he was inside. He was, he was just not good, but you know, Chad's taking the blinkers off. The fact that he's running him here is probably like a, a decent sign. Um, he just might not be much horse and he's probably going to be over bet relative to his chances. But yeah, I mean, I could see playing exact as over in Vagel in no more time and, and trying to really kind of stuff an exact home and, and maybe a little bit of C streak as well. Um, I, I wonder distance wise, if C streak might top out at a little bit shorter than a mile and a 16th. And if you might just really want horses that are going to be clunking up late, as opposed to, to anybody that's going to try and withstand the early pressure they could get from, from fierceness and then go on with it. But yeah, ma- mainly to answer your question as I ramble on seven over two, five would be my main play. Gosh, I will, I will get that down uh, in the notes that we send around to in the money plus and, uh, and we will go, we will go from there. It's a uh, interesting race for UK people. If the eight horses run together, you get this situation that you don't want to do too often, Nick, when you're over there or you'll, uh, you'll make some enemies of, of the, 
of the bookies and they probably won't let you do it at all online but what you call the cheeky each way they they calculate their each way prices on you get whatever it is a fifth of the of the win odds so in a situation like this with an eight runner field your place bet on an each way is to finish in the top three but it's computed mathematically by rote off the win odds so necessarily fierceness being one to five that's going to just push up you know c streak's going to be 30 to one or whatever so you can essentially get six to one to show on it so it's it's a tactic that i'm sure some of our uh, cheeky each way uh international users will be will be looking to leverage in this spot it all goes away if uh if a horse scratches but with eight runners you have that potential opportunity at the shop assuming they'll uh, they probably won't let you do that for all that much money but it is a rare opportunity to definitely be getting the best of it on uh on betting some of the long shots each way in this spot to pick up that show price that's going to be many many multiples of what it is on the paramutual let's talk about these other two derby preps while i have you nick why don't we start um in new york with the withers which goes at uh, 355 so before all this other these other festivities um we've got this three-year-old race the mile and an eighth here and uh competitive looking field of nine how do you uh, how do you plan to play it yeah, it's, it's a competitive bunch, no doubt about it. I mean, I think when all said and done, Lightline will be a pretty solid favorite, well-bred uh, son of City of Light out of the, the accomplished race mare upper line who competed well um, roughly, you know, seven, eight, eight, nine years ago or so. Um, you know, there's a couple of horses in here that, that are maybe a little bit interesting as they they try and take a step forward. I, I think Lightline is very much the horse to beat. He ran against Carbone last time out, uh, didn't really wasn't in a race that set up for him at all you know the one two horses early finished one three and he came from well out of it to, to get up for second he has the look of a horse who's really going to benefit from the extra ground you know he has that sort of hit show like profile uh, that brad cox won this race with last year and i could see him really just kind of you know running that one speed all the way around the track and, and running everybody else into the ground there should be enough pace in here i mean i think the two todd pletcher runners both want to be a little bit forward and obviously el grande o is the one to catch so I didn't have much of a clever thought. I, I think Mission Beach is a little bit interesting. It, interestingly, it, I went back and watched the replays at Laurel the day that he won, and I was inclined to to think, you know, maybe him being inside was a little bit of a disadvantage. It actually felt like it was a little bit of an advantage that day. Uh, but I did want to try him because he feels like a horse that could really benefit from extra ground, and maybe he just went bad out west, and, and you know, they did too much with him shipping him over for the hopeful and getting him involved in that scorching pace. But We've seen Brittany Russell obviously do well with these kind of horses. I mean, hell, she won the Carter with Doppelganger last year, who was a, a Bob Baffert castaway as well. So he feels like a horse that I could use in some of the Maltese. Um, but again, I'm, I'm and I don't think El Grande O is likely to get a mile and an eighth effectively. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mainly just use the three and seven. I wanted to tell you a story about number eight, Uncle Heavy, and it's less on the numbers and more on the tape. Just looks like a horse whose lat. Well, certainly, I feel like you can absolutely excuse the two race back. But I thought the win last time was maybe a little bit better than it looked. You know, I know it's Parks, and I know the horse has to be faster, but um, I, I didn't think it was a, a crazy idea in a race where the pace could hot up. I definitely want all of um, Lightline for the reasons you mentioned. But I thought Uncle Heavy was maybe a little bit of an interesting long shot to throw in here. Did you give that one any count at all? I wasn't like strongly against him. Um, you know, obviously you want to see where he classes up coming out of, of some, some state bred races that generally don't, 
uh, don't yield the type of performances that would win a race like this. But I've got a lot of respect for Butch Reed and the, the success that he's had over the years coming up to New York with horses in these kind of scenarios. One thing about this Colt is that he really seems distance oriented. And I think the mile and an eighth this early, uh, a lot of it really boils down to who's ready to run this far. And if you're ready to run this far, you have a big edge. So he feels like a horse that's probably geared towards this kind of distance. I think, uh, you know, I think he and Lightline really stand out in that respect. Maybe Seminole Chief has at least moved forward going long now. So, um, yeah, interesting enough, I'd say. And, you know, the good thing about him is you're going to get every bit of that 10 to 1 morning line. That's, what, that, that's a huge part of the appeal, of course. Not one I'm looking to, uh, not one I want to see a lot of market signal pointing towards where it'll likely be overbet. I also just thought that the same, the same scenario, they seem like interesting exact partners in the idea that the same scenario should see both the three and the eight to their best effect at Aqueduct in the Withers. One more race to talk about. It's the Southwest Stakes, race number 11. Full field of 12 signed on and some horses that we've talked about on various uh, pieces of uh, in the money programming turning up here. How do you separate them, Nick? Yeah, this is a tough race. You know, one thing I think in the, in the conversation in here in a big way kind of starts with the pace scenario. It feels like they're they're likely to move. Uh, yes. There's there's enough horses that, that are orient that are pace oriented that uh, that want to be involved. Obviously, Carbone feels like the fastest of them. Um, you have Maycox Bay down at the inside who got a 95 buyer last time who uh, to me has absolutely no chance in this field. I, I don't, I wouldn't use him for a nickel. Um, I, it's horses like this. So my, and again, I look, I could end up being wrong. This horse is in an off the turf race. He got Lasix. He got away with an easy lead and he beat a bunch of horses that he was just better than as it ended up playing out. Um, I don't, I don't want those horses back to me. Those horses are their takeout killers. And if he's down around three to one or seven to two, and this is a horse who was not competitive without Lasix and the two starts prior to that. I yep. think it had a lot to do with him getting the lead and being treated with Lasix. So again, I'd be against him completely. I mean, Carbone looks like the best horse in the race on paper, but perhaps Winstock maybe would have a, yeah, maybe Winstock would have a little bit of a conversation in that, but um you just you wonder if, if Carbone is coming anywhere near getting the trip that he needs to win this race, right? So that's the big worry for me. I would say that Liberal Arts is interesting. I think that's he's going to get picked. the best of it. He's yep. going to get the best of it pace-wise. Um, I think Just Steel is interesting. I think he's he's definitely capable of winning here. Um, I think he's going to get the right kind of trip and set up as well. And, you know, I think his Smarty Jones effort was fine. He's a horse that's obviously... Uh, improving to a great extent as time goes by. And and um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by him as well. I'd, I'd use horses that are going to be decent prices in here. They're the ones I think that, that offer the most appeal because some of these horses that are going to get bet, you know, I think of the horses that are going to get bet, the one that's probably the most overlooked, at least if the morning line gives any indication, is Otto the Conqueror. Because I think Otto the Conqueror's springboard mile was actually very good. I know they came home slow, but they went very fast early in there. So he might top out distance-wise, but his last race is much better that it looks figure wise. Agree with that. Absolutely. A flow move up on the time form move up is very notable. 12 plus 12 time form move up there. That's the difference between the raw figure and the pace adjusted performance rating for out of the conquer. I just worry about all those speed horses. There's a lot of them that look to me like they need to be right there. And I think you've identified an interesting one to pick that I'll steal as a backup in just steel, who does look more like a, a, a stalk and pounce sort, um, despite being so forward on the time form pace map. I think in reality, um, 
Vasquez probably lets some of those other pure speeds go and just tries to find a spot and, and stay stay a little clean and, and get the job, you know, done in the lane. But I thought the most interesting one was liberal arts. And, and I think that, you know, between the 97 days for improvement and the running, just a more of a true closer running style, there's a lot of arrows pointing in that direction. So sounds like we're both 6'11". Did you have any other names you wanted to check before we move on? No, I can't really think of any. That's about all I was I was going to be looking at from a from a wagering perspective. I mean, I won't allow myself to be beaten by Out of the Conqueror, who I do, as I said, I do think is a little bit better than he's getting credit for. And, and uh, you know, we've seen some pretty incredible performances by Baffert horses in these scenarios in the past. So Winstock is not going to shock me, though I do think that uh, I do think that was a weaker than par low South futurity. So I'd probably be willing to just let him beat me here. But I should probably stick the four as a backup for you in here and here. Yeah, might as well. All right, good stuff. Nick, appreciate you. Love having you on. We're going to get you back for more stuff soon. We'll be talking. Sounds great, my friend. Thank you. Good luck. Stay tuned for more right after this. This week's Lanes and Legacy of the Week is National Treasure. This son of Quality Road was already a Preakness winner, but added to his resume with a sensational win in the Pegasus World Cup. Although his win in the Preakness ranks high in his performances, I can't help but get excited about his last two efforts. He was impressive when second to Horse of the Year, Cody's Wish, while setting extremely fast fractions in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and he confirmed that performance and thrust himself to the front of the line for the older dirt horses with his emphatic win in the Pegasus while also setting fast fractions. He earned a 132 time form U.S. figure, which is a faster figure than what White Obario earned in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's not forget who ran second in the Pegasus World Cup. Senor Buscador took a big step forward. This son of Lane's in Stallion mineshaft looks to build off of one of the best performances of his life. With National Treasure's Pegasus win, Quality Road continues to show why he is one of the best stallions in the world. Already the sire of three champions, National Treasure has set the stage in 2024 to give Quality Road his fourth champion. Stocking. Going by him is now moving up between horses, Senor Buscador. He's at a lot of pace ahead of him. He's picking off horses one by one as they have less than three furlongs to go. Weiss the Gold has the lead. National Treasure takes another crack at him at the 5-16th. There's still three better than O'Connor. Senor Buscador continues to run home. He ponders an inside lane with a quarter of a mile left to go. Still plenty of hopes here in the Pegasus World Cup. National Treasure has come away with the lead. Senor Buscador, he's still closing down the center. There's an eighth of a mile to go and National Treasure with work to do. Senor Buscador takes aim on the outside. They come past the eighth pole. Jackie John on the inside. It's still National Treasure holding on. Down the center, Senor Buscador is running out of time. National Treasure would not be denied. National Treasure wins the Pegasus World Cup. Senor Buscador just ran out of racetrack. Third is Troopy in 150-2. and two. Drew, one of the coolest things about Cut.com and the Cut app is you have not only interesting props that you can find in other gambling places, but you've got some crazy stuff as well. The color of Gatorade you can uh, you can wager upon. And how about this one I just pulled in the app? This to me looks like free money. Will Taylor Swift attend the Super Bowl minus 500? Shouldn't that be minus a million? I don't know. I, I mean, how when you go walk up to an airport, how, how, what's your probability you think your flight's going to be delayed? And since she's flying from Tokyo, 
within 24 hours, I think there's a real chance that something gets hung up and delayed. And I was actually reading the Associated Press. There's parking space issues for these big planes. And I don't think she's flying in a little six or eight seater. It's It's got to be a big one. And I've heard some of my private jet friends have problems and be grounded for a week because they're waiting for a specific part. So I don't know. It feels like fun value to see if the uh, most powerful woman currently, I think that's arguable, but is going to get delayed for the Super Bowl. So I don't know. Minus minus a million, no way. But, you know, minus 500 uh, plus 500, uh, feels, that feels like a fun bet. Let's do it. So that's our first challenge bet we'll make. We'll get that uh, screenshot up there and, and sending it around on Twitter. I love this idea. And if folks out there want to challenge me, find me on Cut, Looms Boldly. You know, you can send me something random. I'll probably say yes just to be sporting as long as it's a, you know, standard commercially available line. But if you hear any of my opinions um, and you want the other side of them, go on there and do that too. We're, we're going to have a bunch of things like that going forward. There's stuff that's about the game itself. Looks like the spread has settled in at minus two, uh, Drew. I, I'm I'm going to fade the narrative here. I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to go with San Francisco in the game. What's your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Have you looked at it from a betting point of view yet? Yeah, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are like a closer in horse racing where they're a strong finisher. Uh, I don't know. Elite power comes to mind of <laughs> always stays within reach. Any excuse finishes. for you to mention that horse. Yes, exactly. And and, and literally, um, they just keep getting better every game as if they're doing some workload management. So I, I think Kansas City is a fun team here. I think you could argue, even though I'm a Lions fan, San Francisco has faced two of the easier teams, I'm using air quotes here, with Green Bay and the Lions, and they went down big in that Lions game. So I don't know. Kansas City feels like a great opportunity here to, to get up on the right foot. I haven't dug into the stats yet, but I'm definitely taking the side of Kansas City in this one. All right. All right. Well, we've got two challenge bets already. So I was mentioning at the top of the segment, there's all kinds of ridiculous stuff you can wager on on, on cut. Um, I mean, it's just so, so silly and fun. You can actually bet on the Puppy Bowl winner if, if, you, have a, if you have an opinion on that. You can, there's politics betting I'm seeing on here. You could bet on uh, which team Belichick is going to be the, the coach of. It's all this stuff. And, of course, it's so much more than just the variety of options. You know, it's everything you're used to and more. And, oh, by the way, 3% commission on these bets, on every bet. That's not a special. That's just the way it is on cut. And then there's the fact that we've got a 10% deposit bonus if you use our code ITM24. So uh, as I like to say, people, don't miss this opportunity to be handed free money from our new partners cut. Yes, we're in a business relationship with them and I'm promoting because of that, but I'm also promoting them just because it's good for you as the gambler to get involved in this stuff. Um, your experience has been pretty good so far. You, you, you beat me as painful as the Lions situation was last week. You did win your bet with me thanks to your garbage time touchdown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it got a little dicey there, uh, but got got the cover home. As they say, good teams win, great teams cover. And <laughs> you know, one one of the one of the interesting prop bets that I think is near and dear to both of our hearts, that cut offers will the first commercial after kickoff be a beer commercial? <laughs> 
That's any, amazing. Any ideas on the yes, no prop odds if, if you haven't reviewed it yet? Plus 600. Plus 600 is the I, – I had seen it. Plus 600. There you go. So, so, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that's not, that's not terrible. That's not terrible. Who knows? Maybe there's somebody out there with some, some inside information on this kind of stuff. We'll see what they have. I didn't see any Anthem betting yet, but I mean, there's just going to be more and more props coming up as we get, as we get closer to cut customer service, service also very good. You know, look, they're not going to give you something totally self-indulgent, but I bet if you suggested a prop that you were willing to put some money behind through customer service, you might even be able to get that done. So th- this is something I really urge listeners to be checking out. I am going to be going through uh, football withdrawal. I, I can't quite commit to the Pro Bowl uh, Pro Bowl games this weekend. I, I think I'm just going to try to just bet horses and get some work done. Yeah, it's, it's sad. I mean, watching my Lions not only collapse, but also knowing – this is the end of our gambling. And I actually told someone that the other day. I was like, you know, it was a double whammy with the Lions loss and football going away. And they said, well, there's the Super Bowl. And it's, yeah, it's one game. <laughs> I'm used to being able to bet on a dozen games and pick and choose what I want to do. So, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to, to watch it, but also a little bit of mourning going on as well on my side of the camp. You know, we talk about Taylor Swift at the top of the show. I think another interesting one that I haven't looked at the – odds yet will travis kelsey propose during, <laughs> what is that what i'm gonna guess that one i haven't clicked into uh 10 to 1 10 to 1 i'm guessing that Plus he does nine. correct yeah i i think that's i think they're pulling it in i'm gonna say plus 750 really i mean these two were these two are content and clout chasers i mean <laughs> arguably so they they built their brands on it so what better place to do it there than, you know, draw out a two-year engagement uh, by just doing it at the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey retires. You know, he kind of says to her, look, hey, this is great for our brands. Let's just – I just don't understand. Like, how, how, I, I definitely – I think I want the other side of that because I just cannot imagine the appropriate time to do that with him actually competing in the Super Bowl. It can't just be like a marketing thing associated with some brand it, it's I, I just i don't understand the logistics of it so I'll, I'll take the i'll take the other side yeah well and you know the danger of it is let's just say the kansas city chiefs lose i mean what are you doing there so exactly um, like you can't plan to do it after the game right that would just i don't know tonally it would just be too weird i think yeah i, I don't know i'm gonna be a i'm gonna be a cynic on that one i, I i'm I'm sure she'll find a way to be there. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's $300 million of uh, extra revenue created, there, there's a way to get a woman from uh, Japan to, uh, to to Las Vegas. Well, I mean, think about Goodell, though. He's like, he's probably sitting there going, how many reviews if we, NFL YouTube account pushes out a short of that proposal? I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of views. That's money. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things at stake here. And and I did hear um, Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal talking about where the ring would be stored. Oh. <laughs> they are like, well, I, you know, Andy Reid's belly button might be a great little spot oh, right there. So, Those guys um, are ridiculous. Yeah. Very funny stuff. I didn't re- – yeah, I guess we are on well-trodden territory of, of podcasts talking about this stuff. But we do it because we're encouraging you to get involved with Cut Social Betting. Uh, it's a new way to play, and it's economically beneficial – and it's fun, this ability to challenge users within the app. Um, 
you have heard my positions. Feel free. Send out a challenge to Looms Boldly on there, and uh, I have a feeling you'll get matched. Sign up with that promo code ITM24 for a 10% deposit back bonus. I think they cap it at 1000 but whatever. That's a free 100 bucks extra money to bet on the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't you do that, especially given these favorable economic terms? Drew, anything else? Any closing thoughts from you about uh, sports betting, being a Lions fan, etc.? Yeah, I can already feel the eye rolls on the Taylor Swift talk, so I, I need to turn it back to you. I have two more minutes. What is your favorite prop bet for the Super Bowl every year? Historically, it was the national anthem. Um, back when we used to have inside info from the rehearsal, you know, we we we, we had stuff no one else had, and and for years we, there was you know big big cheers from from me and and J.K. and and the Quincy Jones and the assorted crew about about that. And then that one year, this knucklehead reporter like was standing outside while they did the rehearsal, and you know copied and pasted and tweeted it. And it was like the light bulb went off and then everybody started doing that. And, and the edge went away from, you can still bet it, but like now the line is dead on. And, and I have, uh, I've, I've stayed away the last few years, but for me, that's definitely the number one. How about you? I think the, the Gatorade bath one is fun. I mean, I'm not betting anything big, like a, you know, a $25, $50. Did anybody ever have an angle on that? Like, has any, I mean, is there some market research one can do to see, you know, is there a new color? You could probably see like, is there a new color? I, some lunatic has probably done the work on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it keeps your interest. You know, I like, especially in football, because betting, winning at sports is hard in general. And that's why cuts great because you're exchanging money. Uh, with with your friends and others but keeping your interest throughout the entire game provides me entertainment so it the Gatorade color goes to all the way through the end of the game so there's that one last little <laughs> cherry on top yeah action I love the the Super Bowl squares for that reason just pure randomness if you're having a party do the squares and you know, throw in whatever you want with your guests and then you can have an opportunity just to have stuff to root for. Yeah. Throughout the game. So that that's a, a silly fun one as well that, that I highly encourage. All right. One serious question. Are you, are you over it yet? Are you a sports fan for whom things roll off their back to the point where you're, you're no longer feeling physical pain at the result of last weekend's lions game or, or is it lingering for me? It would still be lingering. I can tell you that much. Tuesday night, I almost reached out to you and said, we need to do a therapy podcast and talk about <laughs> losses and, you know, whether it was the Breeders' Cup last year, oh, whether it was the Lions and like, wh- where is the line too far? Where is, where has it sports taken over, right? Because it's out of our control in, in the, yes. the football aspect, but yes. Breeders' Cup is a whole other story. That one, I think it's actually helpful to dwell on because you can learn those kind of things can be teachers and motivators in life. When some random sports team loses, and I and I admitted this to you, as a grown man, whatever it was 25 years ago, that, that it was the, the Giants-Vikings game where the Giants just gave it away. As a grown man, I cried. I cried. Tears. Actual tears because of the result of a football game. The more I've gotten into gambling, the less I have those kind of reactions. I was able to slough off the comparably horrific Giants loss to the to the Niners. Um, so, yeah, God, I don't even know when that was. I'm just guessing at these years. That that feels like it was, I don't know, 15 years ago, probably a little bit more. Um, but yeah, when it's, I just, at some point I decided I'm not going to let my allegiance to laundry, to paraphrase Jerry Seinfeld, cause me to be upset for more than like a, a three-day period. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's great too with 
with some of the players like uh, and coaches like Ben Johnson saying, and I and I, I, I kind of predicted this perfectly, is, hey, look, this guy is 37, 38 years old. He's got a family. They're doing well in Detroit. He's making a ton of money. So what it, I mean, he's got two more decades of coaching left in him. Like what runway does he have at this point to continue to advance his career? And what better place to do that under the confines of Dan Campbell and his coaching staff to continue to like learn, grow and develop. And the, to me, if he took a, another head coaching job and, and moved out of the offensive coordinator, it's ego at that point. And he wrote a perfectly well eloquent money. statement saying, I'm happy here. Yeah, that's right. For those that don't know, he was heavily rumored to the point where it was like, you know, headlines were being written, if not quite set in type uh, about him moving on and decided to decided to stay. But it would just be ego, it would be, you know, money and wanting to be at the peak of your profession. I think it'll happen eventually. Maybe he didn't want it to happen after such a part of it was psychological, uh, after such a disappointing uh, end to his time in Detroit. Maybe he didn't want to go there. But uh, anyway, I know you got to go. I appreciate you. I don't mind the, the therapy. It, it's always a two-way street around here, my friend. Uh, I'll send those bets out to you on cut, and we will uh, we'll post some stuff on social and have some fun. Appreciate you, Drew. All right, thanks. Have a good weekend. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank you so much to Drew and to JK and to Nick. Thanks also to our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. Uh, we love to root for the purple and black around here. Also, Kim Weir, who's landed at her new position and will be on these airwaves soon to talk about it. Very, very psyched for her. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Groundhog Day, February 2nd, 2021. And the typing threw me off and I said it was 2021, Nick. <laughs> this is 2021 again. Wow. Yeah, that's, oh that's what God. That's we'll what we put were this all on at the end. We'll put this on at the end of the show and we'll reset. <laughs> that's funny.